Hey everybody, we are back, sort of, a little bit. This week, it's going to be a little different for R2C2, because you see, CC is out doing amazing things on the West Coast, both on the mound and also in the community. He has his backpack giveaway at the Bay Area, and he also, you may have seen, was just nominated as the Yankees representative for the Roberto Clemente Award for all of his incredible work. So kudos to C uh, for his, his awesome community work, and it's part of the reason why he's busy. And you may have heard me apoplectic, but I mean it in a good way, blowing a blood vessel, calling Sue Bird, going absolutely nuts, setting the roof of Key Arena on fire during the WNBA playoffs. Uh, so I've been bouncing around for that as well. Good news is C and I get to hang in Seattle together. Um, and put together some new R2C2 content for you. But because we've been bouncing around this week, we thought, you know what? Let's get you a best of episode with some of our favorite stories and anecdotes uh, from some of the guests that we've had since our move to Uninterrupted, which we have loved thus far, and we have greatly appreciated your support. So we figured this episode would almost act like a best of with some of our favorite stories, our favorite moments from our favorite episodes, Get us all caught up and on the same page as we move forward down the stretch of this Yankee season. And then, of course, because people ask me this question, we'll answer it right now. Will we record in the offseason? Yes, we will record in the offseason. Of course we will record in the offseason. You know Thursdays mean R2C2, so you still get R2C2 today. It's just a little bit different. And the first thing you're going to hear is one of our favorite clips from our episode with Mark Cuban, Mavericks owner, where Mark describes... Seeing Cece at Lavo in New York. Any of you New Yorkers know Lavo, some stuff goes down there. And this was right after the Mavericks won the title. So take a listen in to Mark Cuban on R2C2. There was a day back in the day, like when I saw you after we won a championship. Yeah, Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Of course I do. <laughs> we got to hear yeah. that story. Oh, yeah. It's a Lavo. Uh, yeah, in New yeah. York. Oh, yeah. Remember? Yeah, you had the trophy good. and everything. That oh, was great. We were excited Lavo for it. In, in, in New York. York. Was in the New York. Was it no, Lavo? No, it wasn't it was the crazy brunch. Oh, no, 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 Lavo brunch is the craziest <laughs> thing I've ever I've never been a part of this. No, oh, I, I need to go to. I want to go. We always plan on Sunday. Wait, who's, who's the crazy Cuban player? Um, for uh, for Puig. Lakers. Oh, I'm Lakers. Um, Dodgers. We. Oh, oh, yeah, Puig. Oh my God, I was there with him. Well, he was there when I got there. Yeah. For at Lavo brunch. <laughs> but we came in after we won, after and like, won. and everybody was so glad we beat LeBron in the heat. Right? Yeah. They're all clapping. And <laughs> he's sending me drinks. And yeah. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. I couldn't believe he had the trophy like yeah, sitting at yeah, dinner. Like, you know what I'm saying? I took it everywhere. He took it everywhere. It was awesome. Yeah, it was a good night. It was a good night. You know what? Like I, I remember being it because at that time. I was hosting a radio show in New York, and we created something called Team Anti-Heat. So we were just rooting for anyone <laughs> to, beat who, the heat. to beat the Heat. And so I was the biggest 2011 Mavericks fan you could Everybody be. Everybody was. <laughs> you know, prior to June of 2011, people hated my ass. But when we beat the Heat, I was everybody's best friend. That was great. That's fantastic. I can't believe you guys saw each other. Oh, it was great. Yeah, they were back at the table in the back, and they're sending drinks. They were out the party. Yeah. Like, CC wants you to have this. Yeah, like, I can't drink night. that many, CC. <laughs> I tried, That's but where, where is the where, where's the craziest place you brought the trophy throughout that that run? Uh, yeah, so 
It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I took it everywhere. Yeah, I, literally, I, I literally kept it in my trunk. And, I, and my, my buddies were like, come on, where are we going out, right? And we're like, so we'd go out to a club or something. Here it comes, right? And it's just like, my wife was like, stop it. Oh, enough already. Nah, you know? I would do the same thing. I, I mean, if they would let me take the trophy, I would yeah, take it out. Are I'm just telling you, see, my yeah. buddies were like, that's the world's best wingman. Bring it. <laughs> that's, that's true. There's no Nothing better than that. Oh, I love it. You, you know, are you a reader, Mark? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's a what's like a favorite book? Of yours oh my goodness, um, I can go and tell you what I'm reading right yeah, now. Yeah, tell, tell us what you're reading. Okay, so you do you do ebooks or yeah, or I do Audible it on, or on, on um, Kindle. Kindle, yeah. And so, like, I've been reading a lot of um, history and political books, but I also read a lot of tech books about artificial intelligence. And so that that's been driving me a lot because you know being in the tech business you got to keep up. Yeah. And if you don't keep up, you fall away. Because that right, is you know. booming, right? The yep. artificial intelligence. So I um, just downloaded the Performance Cortex, which talks about guys in baseball. Actually, is using all baseball where they put these headsets on you and they look to see when you start to recognize pitches. And so, you know, it people used to think the eyesight was the advantage that if you had you know twenty ten eyesight or whatever, but for hitters, what they're saying now is. Certain hitters can identify what the pitch is and where it's going to be sooner. And there's ways using these headsets that you know, read the brain, your EGG, or I forget what it is, e, what the exact brain wave it, and they can know. So if, you early, if you're an early detector, you've got a good chance if you've got the physical tools. If you're a late detector, you can have the best physical tools and not work. And, and so they were talking, they were using an example of some, they um, tested a couple different colleges and how they had some, some, some guys that big, strong, quick, you know, fast bat, never made contact with certain kinds of pitches. And it was because they reacted, you know, a millisecond slower, you know, because it's all a guess. People are like, when we were growing up, they watched the ball hit the bat. Mm-hmm. Nobody Keep your thought, eyes on it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like you're going to watch it right. And yeah. to this day, I tell my son that, right? Yeah. And I'm reading his book, and it's like, no, you. it's all a guess, right? When it starts to break, but if you watch it enough, you know what the break's going to be. But if you identify the pitch soon enough and you see the trajectory, then you say, okay, this is a curve, this is a slider, this is a fastball, this is going to go up and away because that's what this pitcher throws. But just that millisecond difference, that is the the performance cortex. And try, I haven't got to this part. I'm still just getting started in it. But getting to the part where can you enhance it, can you train it so that you can be a little bit quicker. Got you. Because if you can identify what that ball is going to do, so if you see it's going like this and you see the spin on the ball and you see the speed and you know the pitcher and you know it's going to go like this, well, you know where to swing. Mm-hmm. Right? So you the, know what CC is going to throw. You know, you're not going to know what he's going to throw, but you know when if you can recognize which of CC's pitches it is and you know the speed, then you know where you, you how know you're where it's going to end up. Yeah, yeah, that's insane. That's interesting. Yeah. I feel like, because I was thinking, it does it just identify, use it as like an evaluation tool? All oh, this person doesn't have it, this person does. We keep him, we don't, but if we you all can have train it. If you can train right. it. Yeah, we yeah. all have it, right? You right. Know, because you see kids hit a ball, right? And, you know, everybody can hit it until you can't, you know, physically or whatever. But if you can't identify it soon enough, then it doesn't matter. You know who I feel like would be a good, uh, like who, who's an early identifier is Guardy. Yeah. Guardy's so like good at the strike zone and knowing like out of your hand where the ball's gonna be or what what it's gonna do or like recognizing pitches. And I bet you he's really good at that. That would be interesting. You gotta put the headset on. Put the headset on. <laughs> the performance cortex, out. like what's the name of the the guy's name is Zach. What the fuck? <laughs> 
I'm too far. I can't get to his author's yeah, name. Nah. Well, but, performance but, court. But even yeah. like when he was going back talking about like, you know, his guessing because that's why backup sliders work so much. Yeah. Because guys recognize sliders and it's supposed to break. But when it backs up and it stays inside, you can throw the shit right down the middle. They'll never hit it. Because, because they're expecting they're, it to do something Because they're looking else. for it to break because they that's swing for it out here. Yeah. So that's probably in some way triggering that part of the brain right, because Yeah, about. because if two, two pitches act the same way mm. and you guess, right? Yeah. But at least you got a 50% chance. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. How about quote, Mark? Is there a favorite quote that you like to throw yeah, out there? Yeah, there, there's a couple. And this is what I'm trying to train my kids on. How you do anything is how you do everything. Ooh, I like that. I'm right, I'm right now and down. Like <coughs> I knew you was going to like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then my second quote is, the, only, the one thing in life you can control is effort. Mm, I like that, too. Yeah. A lot of shit sure. won't go your way, but you can work. And I try to tell my my, my my son's eight, my daughter's 11, and another daughter's 14. And it's like, you know, the, the middle daughter is really into softball. And I'm trying to, you know, how you practice and what you do when you practice and whether it's schoolwork, whether it's sports, whether it's dance, whether it's anything, how you do what you do is exemplified in everything you do. And so if you cut corners, you're a cut corners person. You know, if you don't pick up behind yourself, right, you're not a perfectionist. You're not going to pay attention to the details of what you're trying to be good at. And then the last one is no one quits anything they're good at. You know, being good at something is <laughs> fun. True. You know, That's so true. I like that. You gonna write that one down too? I'm gonna, I, 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 think I, I think I am. Now we also got to chat with Yankees manager Aaron Boone, who was just awesome. I mean, he is a really interesting, down-to-earth dude, and him and Cece. They were teammates, and they're really close friends. And so we were looking forward to the opportunity to getting Aaron on. He was, of course, a colleague of mine at ESPN as well before he took this big gig as Yankees manager. And it was interesting hearing their perspective on what it was like as a rookie in the big leagues for each of them when they were coming up because they had to go through some interesting trials, tribulations, and sort of adaptations of hazing. I'll, I'll leave a name out of it, but my first first time I got called up, we're on the road, and we go to Montreal, and we get in middle of the night, and I get to the hotel. It's like 2 or 3 in the morning, and, you know, back then we called each other on, on the room phone. <laughs> That's right. And I get a call from, from a veteran player. Hey, uh, Aaron, um, I need you to go down the street and call it Whataburger, whatever. Yeah. I need a burger. I want a burger. Will you give me a burger and the fries? And I'm like, seriously? It's like, yeah. I'm like, all right. <laughs> Three in the morning, I had to get dressed and walk down and the you street. Did yeah. and I did it. Oh, yeah, you have to do it. Yeah. Well, that is, and I actually didn't mind. I loved the player, but I was like, yeah, yeah like this What's is part that? of it. Yeah, yeah wow, nah, you, I mean, I was I had a veteran that I had to carry everything, <laughs> luggage up, carry on everything the whole time. Did you ever? Did you ever hit that veteran back afterwards? Be like, hey man, like, no, we're hey, close now. Oh, really? I mean, okay, yeah, this one right. of my one of my close close. I mean, he took care of me, but I mean, it was still like <laughs> I was a maid. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's bad, man. So how about when you guys were teammates? Mm-hmm. Like, is is there a story that comes to mind from the in 05 and 05 and 06 was when you were together, right? Including yeah. So, yeah. Is is there a particular story that comes to mind, or just like a vibe that you guys had uh, on that team? So, so C was a 
it was a young stallion back then. Right? <laughs> and I used to get on him a lot because C would get a little emotional on the mound. Oh, <laughs> big time. Big time. And, you know, he, he'd throw a pitch. It would be, you know, a close pitch, and they'd ball it or something. And it used to affect him, I felt like, sometimes for three or four pitches. And he'd give up, and then he'd kind of rein it in. And the next day he'd tell me, he'd tell me, it's, yeah, my mom got on me too. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah. I was bad, man. <laughs> you know, you know how sometimes he grabs the ball bare hand, like he'd really grab it then. He'd be like stomping around, but I felt like it would affect him for several pitches, like if you know whatever a cheap hit or something or a call that wouldn't go his way. Yeah. Now I feel like he's really good at channeling that stuff. He still gets pissed off, yeah. and, but, he, and he still see. gets fired up, but he's able he's able to turn the page really well now. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I like it. The Marge is the one you don't want to get She's Marge, always man. been. Always yeah. been. Alright, next up we have Andrew Hawkins, who maybe, for some of you, like for me, helped you win fantasy games at one point during his NFL career as a super fast wide receiver. Also, he happens to be ridiculously entertaining, incredibly intelligent, and a wonderful family man. And he's just a fun dude and an excellent storyteller. You definitely should subscribe to his podcast, Tomahawk with Joe Thomas, of course, the all-time great Cleveland Browns offensive lineman, and Hawk is now also going to be an NFL analyst at ESPN. He joined us earlier in the year and told one of the most incredible stories I've ever heard about how badly he wanted his dream and the lengths he went to hide his living situation from his girl at the time as he was going to try and become an NFL star. That's amazing, though, Andrew. I did not know that you were you went on that journey before you got to the NFL. I yeah, had no it was idea. Wild, man. You had that three year period after. Yeah. Bef- so I mean, during that time, are you like how often did you or how many times did you come close to just like I'm not oh, a I'm lot. not chasing this anymore. A lot. I was like really defeated a couple times. There was like so many different things that happened. Like so when I got done playing, I tried out for the Browns and like a rookie mini camp and it was like 73 tryout guys try to get one of the last training camp contracts, which means you're probably still going to get cut. But anyway, I went to this camp just because I had a former coach that was there, and I, like, balled out, and they were like, yeah, we're going to sign you. So I'm, like, all, like, waiting by the phone kind of thing. And this then, is right after college? This is, like, yeah, my senior year. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, man, I'm actually going to get a, an NFL contract. And then, you know, a day goes by, a week goes by, a month, then nothing. And it was like, yeah, I didn't have my scholarship check coming in. I didn't have a job. I didn't graduate quite yet so I was like working as a caddy um sleeping on a friend's couch and didn't like we got evicted because somebody was letting me sleep in their crib and it, I wasn't on a lease and they found out so they like evicted us oh wow so I'm staying with my girl I had a storage unit in Toledo and this is like I, I never really even told this out in public but I had a storage unit in Toledo and I had a girl she's my wife now and you know, I stay at her house, and you know, I'm, you're the you don't want to look like you ain't got shit. So yeah, I'm like, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna just stay at your crib. So I'm staying there, spending time, whatever. So she would leave town every once in a while, and I would have nowhere to go. So I would either sleep in my car, and then I like basically put a mattress down in the storage unit, wow, and stay man. the night in the storage unit. Like this is what was going on at this time because I had nowhere else to go, 
And I have, like, you know, my brother actually played in the league for a long time. And so I had people I could call. But as, like, a man, I was trying to, like, yo, I got to figure this out on my own. And it was, like, a tough time. So that happened. And thank God for the show. That kind of showed the, the CFL I could play. So I wouldn't play in Canada for a couple years. And, yeah, it was, like, it's a crazy-ass story, man. But, you know, in the end, here I am. That's amazing. Yeah, that's bro. Incredible, that's incredible, man. man. Yeah. That's- yeah. <laughs> All right, next up, we had a fun roundtable discussion with Sonny Gray and Dellen Batances. And what was interesting was hearing both of their perspectives as well as CeCe's on who reaches out to them, who's that person in their life after they struggle, who's not afraid to message them afterwards, who's not walking on eggshells, but instead kind of saying like, yo, what happened out there on the mound? And all of them had a different but very specific interesting answer and i think not only will it give you some insight into them but it'll probably make you laugh it's fun man it, it takes your mind asked, off it too it helps you like I as these, far as pitching you yeah, know what i mean because yeah. when you leave here it's your great. kids don't care if you give up four runs or you throw a no hitter it's great like you get home and dad's home and it's like it's time to play get in the pool go play xbox do whatever so it, it lets you have a different you know takes your mind off of baseball because sometimes for us we play it every day we get consumed by it you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying so to have, a, you know, your yeah. family life set up and everything, it, it makes it a lot easier. It's cool. You know, this – what you just said, it, it reminds me of a just a, a situation that comes up a lot for people, I think, when they do something in the public eye. I'm wondering, who is that person? Because you're your kids. They don't care. Your dad, right? But who is that person, Dellen, in your life who will – let's say you struggle in an outing. Yeah. Who will say something to you where they're like, you know – Damn, you suck today. What happened, man? Like, who, 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 who is the person in your life who feels comfortable doing that to you after a tough day at the office? Uh, I'll probably say my oldest brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He'll, he'll let me have it. I mean, he tries to be, you know, kind of nice about it, like in a nice way. He's like, man, D, like, what, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> like what, what were you thinking out there? You threw 20 straight, bro, like, 20 straight breaking balls, like, mixing a fastball. I'm like, bro, I mean, that's what I had. I mean, I don't know. I'm just trying to go out there and get out. But he does it in, he does it in a kind of not like, Tough way, but he, I mean, he's good. He's Do you laugh t- at it or does it piss you off? It pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> it pisses me off because I'm like, bro, you want to go out there and you pitch? Like, you want to go out there and pitch? Like, you don't know what's going on in my head. I'm, try- I'm trying to get out, you know. But he's, he's the one for he's sure. The- Do you guys have that person in your life? I do for sure. Yeah? My mom. She will. Oh, my mom will send me a text and be like, what the fuck? Why'd you throw Pilar that pit? (laughs) And she'll like name specific. You know what I'm saying? Like, she watches the game like. She's watching the game. And are you so mad when she that, says it? Or nah, you, yeah. I, don't, I mean, I'm just used to it. That, I mean, that's been my whole life. You know what I'm saying? So I'm used to it. Like, yeah, when I get that home to Pilar against Toronto, I got a text like, what the? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, he was four for his last 53, see? Yeah, I got you. How about that's you, Sonny? I don't really, I mean, not really, but my wife, we always, my wife and Gunnar will always ride home together after I pitch, mm. you know, especially at home or if they come on the road, we'll ride home together. And it's just always that awkward if I, if I have a if I have a game where I struggle, it's always like a little awkward silence, and I'm kind of like, and she just waits. She's like, I don't know what to say. I don't know if he's gonna be mad, if he's gonna be okay, like, and then I finally like, well, that sucked. <laughs> and she's like, oh yeah, that did suck. <laughs> and, Gunner's, and Gunner's in the back seat like, what sucked, Dad? <laughs> I'm like me. <laughs> I'm like me. I suck. <laughs> 
Now, next up, we have one of the best storytellers I have ever been around in my life, and that's Bob Kendrick, who is the president of the Negro League Baseball Museum. A lot of you obviously won't know Bob by name, right? But I will tell you, his stories are some of the most incredible and detailed stories I have ever heard in my life. And I've had so many people since our episode with Bob come up to me and say how captivated they were by him. That, hey, you know, I didn't know much about the Negro League Museum. I didn't know Bob. But oh my gosh, the stories he told were incredible. And they really come to life because of the way he tells them. And I think mine and Cece's favorite from our episode with Bob was this story he told about Satchel Paige. Mm-hmm. They pushed the age Satchel back. Satchel Paige. That's yeah. one of my favorite yeah. players. Yeah. yeah. So Nobody because, really knew how old he was. No, they didn't know. <laughs> and, and, and he played it up to the hilt. He played it up to the hilt. And so, yeah, and the, the, that the lore and legend around him is built because they didn't know how, didn't old, know how he old he was. But you know what you did know was he was one of the most incredible athletes. And I don't think he gets this just due. For athletes, because you can't have that kind of longevity mm-hmm. in a sport that is as tough as play. Rookie of the year. I mean, he was almost forty-seven years old. It's if, if, and rookie of the year with the Cleveland Indians. If you believe that he was forty-two, right? which I absolutely do not, but if you believe that he was forty-two, yes, I mean it's incredible. I can tell you now, the man that died here in nineteen eighty-two had seen 76 a long time. <laughs> you know, my my dad loves talking in, uh, like, axioms and quotes and stuff, and so I've always had all these quotes given to me since I was a little kid, and one of his favorites is uh, – how old would you be if you didn't know, you know how old you were? From Satchel <laughs> Page. Yeah, exactly. He yeah. loves that all, yeah. all the time. And I love it, too. And and, and I know, feel, you know, like 12. So, <laughs> and, and I think he lived that. Yeah. You know, yeah. he was not going to let age defy what he could do. And, and, and Satchel was special. I mean, we're talking about a guy in his prime. They clocked his fastball at 105. And, and, but what really made Satchel so special, and as you well know, his 105 control. is pretty doggone special. Mm-hmm. The control, mm-hmm. the pinpoint control, man, he could put it exactly where he wanted to put it. And even as an old man, he never lost that. So you hear the stories of how he didn't throw to home plate. Gum wrappers. When he was Piece of chewing gum wrappers. Chewing gum wrappers he laid out uh, yeah. with the catcher. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's what he threw to, not the and, plate. And so Vin Scully, before he retired, tells a great story. And I asked Whitey Herzog, who was here a few weeks ago, at the night that we were going to do the uh, Jackie Robinson Day game, Whitey Herzog was here. And so Whitey Herzog and Satchel were good friends. And Whitey is an out, aspiring outfielder playing at that time for the AAA Rochester team there in New York. Satchel's now have a stint with the Miami Marlins. This is 1957. So, again, if you believe he was born in 1906, he's 51 years old at that time. And so the Marlins are playing Rochester. And the Rochester team, guys, had a promotion, had a knot hole in the outfield wall. And the promotion was that if anybody could hit a ball through the knot hole, you could win $100,000. Well, it was virtually impossible. <laughs> well, Herzog says he's in the outfield and he's running, and he decides to take a baseball CC to see if the ball would fit in the hole. Well, there's just enough circumference for that baseball to squeeze through that hole. He decides he's going to go over to Satchel. Satchel, you always talk about your control and how you could throw the baseball over a piece of chewing gum wrapper. I bet you a bottle of granddad bourbon that you can't throw a ball through that knot hole. Now, Satchel has a nickname for everybody. 
his nickname for Whitey Herzog was Wild Child. <laughs> and he says, Satchel says, Wild Child, will the ball fit in the hole? Well, Herzog shows him that there's just enough circumference to squeeze that ball through the hole. Satchel says, Wild Child, I'll take that bet. And so the next day, Whitey Herzog says he goes into the outfield. CC, he steps off 60 feet, six inches. He puts the pitching rubber down. He's going to give Satchel three tries to throw that ball through the hole. Well, he says Satchel picks up the baseball, and he looks like a hunter is looking through the telescope of his rifle. <laughs> and he measures. And he says the first pitch goes in the hole but spins out. He says he's in freaking disbelief. <laughs> and he says the very next pitch, whew, right through the hole. Man, that's says awesome. Says Satchel reaches down, he picks up the bottle of bourbon, and he says, Wild Child, I'll take that, and saunders off into the sunset. <laughs> that is a great story. Oh, my God. I love it. And finally, we're going to bring it back to our first guest of R2C2 is Uninterrupted, and that was Chauncey Billups, longtime point guard for the Detroit Pistons, Denver Nuggets, among other teams. Of course, does an outstanding job as an NBA analyst with ESPN. And you may remember, was on the receiving end of LeBron's first really transcendent playoff performance back in 2007 when he just roasted the Pistons in Game 5 of the Conference Finals. Here was Chauncey talking about what that introduction to the King was like. With LeBron, like I always think about, I was in college, I watched that the Game 5 against you guys in 07, mm-hmm. right? That was, right, it was, was Game 5. Had 25 straight on us? Yeah, right, yeah. and he had like, what, 29 of the final 30, 30 or something yeah. like that? Yeah. That shit was stupid. What, what do you, like, as you're going, because at that time, your team's not supposed to lose that series, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, w- what are you thinking you, as you're going up against this young dude doing that? Well, I mean, obviously, you ain't before that game. You're not thinking he's gonna do he that. Gonna shit. Do that shit, right? <laughs> 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 and it's like it was one of those things. So before that, he could never get to us. Like we was like the big brother. Mm-hmm. And so that game, and I've even talked to, to to him about this before. But that game to me, it 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 was the biggest game. For him, because he finally like was like, damn, I, I can do this against anybody if I can do it to these dudes. So, but in the game, we tried everything. You know what I mean? Like we put every single. I mean, Tayshawn was on him, but he got cooking. Rip took him. I stepped up, so let me take him. We doubled him. We did everything we could, and and it was one of those things that in the in the in the process of it. Until the game was over, bro, I did not know that Mug had 25 straight. Yeah, what he was doing, right? Like, <laughs> I didn't know. I knew he was hot. I knew he was hot, but I'm like, I'm in the locker room doing an interview. I'm like, 25 straight? <laughs> this is the playoffs against us? <laughs> that It was unbelievable. Then you watch it. You know, you watch the film and you watch the tape and you just like, golly, this boy. Yeah, he was locked in that day. This boy, man, special. That's one of those performances like, you know, you remember where you were watching it. Yeah. You know? Oh, like, my goodness. You're just like, what, what, like, do you, I mean, was that was that the moment for you where you're like, whoa, this guy is he has a chance to be, or did you always kind of see that with him playing against? Oh, him? I always seen it. I mean, I, I from the time he was young, because man, if y'all think about it, like when he came in the league, and I say this with the amount of like 
the pressure because of the media attention and, and, and the things at that time, I'm like, I'm looking and I felt bad for him because I mm-hmm. said, there's no way He's gonna that be this able to dude is going to be able to live up to this. Yeah. And this dude shattered all of that. <laughs> it's amazing. But that's why I always it's tell crazy. people, and that's why, you know, people always ask me, like, you know, we were talking about this in the clubhouse the other day, the MJ or Kobe or LeBron. Uh-huh. MJ and Kobe never was on the cover of Sports Illustrated with a with a golden ball that said the chosen one at 15 mm-hmm. years old. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, this dude has lived up to, I mean, just any athlete, period. Him and Tiger Woods. Right. You got to put him with. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, nobody's yeah. ever had that type of hype. Scrutiny. Freddie and Duke. You know what I'm saying? Like, these type of names don't ever make it to where he's at. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I mean, he's on a different... It's not just basketball with him. It's, it's a different, not, man. It's a different, you know, it's a different platform. It's a different, you know. It really is. Yeah, it's crazy. It and really in the social is. media era, too, right? Like, the, and, that's another issue. And and no, I mean, no real. I mean, the, the the worst thing this guy has ever done in his adult life that you know that has gotten publicized is leaving to go to Miami, right? I mean, he's done mm-hmm. all this while mm-hmm. also being like a, a model citizen. No, this too. dude is a machine, man. I'm serious. <laughs> like y'all both spoke on it, like like him from a social aspect, speaking out on social issues, yeah. standing out in front. You know, like yeah, I said it. Like this is me, and I speak for everybody. Is a big deal. That's also something that MJ or Kobe never did mm-hmm. when they had the mic. The, yeah. You know, had the opportunity, never did, you know, um, what he's done with, you know, we all got homies when we make it that, you know, be kind of right there waiting in the wings and what he's done with his guys Man. and putting them in. I mean, this dude on so many levels is, 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 is just remarkable. I'm wondering, is there any, do you remember any conversations from you guys and any timeouts from that game five or were there any stories from your reactions uh, nah, in the just, to the locker room afterwards? No. Nah. No, I mean, in the locker room afterwards, everybody was just kind of like, damn. <laughs> you know, I, I remember having a feeling like, I mean, we was the beast. We was yeah, the king yeah, of the was, East. That was the like, king of the East was, at that point, yeah. I remember having a feeling after that game, after that series was over, because um, they ended up beating us, but after that series was over, saying, damn, this is this is the start of the end. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't figure this out. Yeah. Dude figured this out. But it took that to beat y'all, though, which, you know yeah. what I'm saying? It took him yeah. to score 25 in a row to beat yeah. the, the, you know what I'm saying, the great team that y'all had. Like That dude, it was crazy. But, uh, yeah, I remember, like, damn, this is this is, this is is the start of the end. He figured this out because he didn't have – his roster wasn't – I mean, nah. he didn't have much. <laughs> he had nothing. He nah. really didn't. Yeah. So, for him to do it with that, and then I'm saying, okay, well, they're going to ask him. We're in trouble. So those are some of our favorite moments, favorite stories, favorite anecdotes uh, from the episodes of R2C2 that we've done thus far. We have plenty more to come. And uh, and you know that C and I will be breaking down Eminem's outstanding Kamikaze album at some point in a future episode. Not to mention, well, I guess we did get into the pizza a little bit last episode, so that's good. But remember, the video of that is going to be coming to our pizza adventure for CeCe's Always On show, courtesy of Uninterrupted. But make sure you're downloading, rating, reviewing R2C2, telling all your friends and family, rating it five stars. And when we get to uh, a thousand um, reviews, we're going to have another contest giveaway. So uh, thank you guys for listening to this best of episode. And remember, every Thursday is an R2C2 Thursday. Peace.